Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show. Bill Ryder with you. Happy Friday. Little uh, little Labor Day action going on. Little holiday action going on. I'm going to go to the Messi game this weekend. Hope you have huge plans. Kevin Walsh filling in today for Pretty Daddy. Tom DeCelestino, the executive producer, taking a very, very well-deserved couple days off. Kevin's on Twitter, KWall521, as in Kevin Wall, KWall521. I'm on their sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. It's my last name. Phone number 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. College football is underway, and there is nobody better in the business than Dennis Dodd. The Dodd Father, what a great nickname. College football insider, expert, CBS Sports HQ, CBS Sports.com, CBS Sports Network, CBS Sports, and right now, for the moment, CBS Sports Radio. Good morning, Mr. Dodd. Bill, how are you? I am great. I'm great. I need to ask you. I'm going to ask you a football question that's also a moral question. I'm just going to give you the full the full thing here. I hated Nebraska football growing up. I mean, hated my all my relatives were from Nebraska. They were very obnoxious about it, even though they're lovely people. I went to Missouri. My first freshman year, sort of big game was the game where they kicked the ball. Nebraska kicked the ball backwards. Remember that to win that football game. And a drunk man tried to fight me. He was like 300 pounds. I just, I burned with a hatred for Nebraska that was deep. And I found myself feeling something last night, Dennis, I, I haven't felt a long time, and that is, that is pity. Am I allowed yeah. to still enjoy Nebraska's struggles? Because I can't do it anymore. I don't, I actually just feel bad for them. I do too. You can't, uh, I mean, I was tweeting last night as this was happening, and it's what you're referring to is Nebraska's, you know, blown lead and 13 to 10 yep. loss at the, at the buzzer. And I was tweeting, I'm neutral, and I can't, I can't bear to watch. It's I mean, hard to they watch. are, they are seven and twenty-six in one-score games to last. What is it? Five years, I think, is the number. But it's just, and it, you know, it, it's what got Scott Frost fired. But this is just a variation on a theme. And I do, I do think Matt Rule will turn it around. I mean, I, this is a bad start, obviously. But you cannot find a more loyal fan base. In America, than Nebraska after what they've been through to the absolute heights. You want to talk about three in a row? 
national championships, they came within, Bill, in 1996, you were around, they came within an upset by Texas in the first Big 12 championship game of winning four in a row. Um, the absolute heights to now where they are now where they've missed a bowl five straight years. Honestly, for, for, for younger people, when I talk about Nebraska football, Dennis, Dennis Dodd here on the show, I'm Bill Ryder, CBS Sports Radio, I almost feel like I'm trying to tell someone about Babe Ruth who yeah. didn't see Babe Ruth and thinks Babe Ruth now is just some bum who, like, hits 200. Is Juan Carl Stanner. So it, it's just, and you said it, they were they were so great. So I love your optimism on, on Matt Rule, and I know the Minnesota game is a single game. Did you, it's a long-term process. I understand that. The turnover, the fumble was, again, hard. Yeah. So hard in the yeah. Are there things you saw on the field outside of that those last five horrible minutes, if you're a Nebraska fan and you're seeing this with clear expert eyes like you have, that tell you this could be different than last year? Yeah. I mean, the, the end was, I don't want to say predictable, but familiar. Yeah. Um, they did come back on the road to take the lead late, you know, had it late, couldn't hold on to it, and – lost but i keep telling people that you know i i've known matt rule since he went to baylor so i've seen it up close and firsthand he will succeed now will nebraska win three and four years no i don't think anybody will um maybe georgia or maybe clemson maybe alabama but um they just want to go to a bowl they want to be relevant again that's all nebraska wants and that that's what he knows when he got to baylor i think december of 17 i met him in a suite uh, at Chase Field. The Baylor was playing in a bowl game against Boise. And at that point, I think he had, I think he had signed three players. And this is late December of that year. Uh, his first class included uh, a 168-pound receiver, uh, you know, 160-pound receiver, the 100, I don't know, 200 best guard in Texas, and, you know, coming off the scandal. And with that class, built the foundation for, what, two years later? Taking Oklahoma to two overtimes in the Big 12 championship game. He can do it. I've seen it. He will turn around Nebraska. I, I love that, Dennis, because I, I actually am rooting for Nebraska, and I don't know why, because I'm, I'm from Iowa, right? So Big Ten school is Iowa, and mm-hmm. I went to Missouri, so I should enjoy Nebraska's struggles, but I don't. I, I just I like that. I just I, like I, no, state. I don't. No. Yeah, I don't like it which is a change for me from maybe 15, a long time ago, 15 years ago. Last Nebraska question because I'm really interested, and I know there's other stuff to hit. I love your optimism on Matt Rule, and I love your perspective and your your institutional knowledge. Is there enough in Matt Rule's ability, uh, long-term, two, three, four, whatever years, where you think Nebraska can compete, let's say, just be in the mix at the end of the year for, for Big Ten titles? Here's what hurts Nebraska, and here's what hurts Purdue and Every team, basically, in what what used to be the uh, Big Ten West. That's, that's last year for this, right? Uh, next year, they're going. Well, everybody's going to uh, top two. They're going to play in a conference championship game. Well, in the Big Ten, in most years, I think we all agree it's going to be Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Penn State will get in there, uh, Michigan State, Wisconsin will get in there. But if you want to play for the Big Ten title, Nebraska has since they've been in the Big Ten, uh, it's going to take that. Now, having said that, the 12-team playoff diminishes the importance of a conference championship because you're going to see teams in there, maybe not, maybe from the Big Ten, but certainly from the SEC, 
they won't come close to winning their conference. There'll be three lost teams in the playoffs. I've predicted that because of the strength of schedule they play and how that will resonate with the selection committee. So a conference championship isn't as important, but in, uh, in answer to your question, they just got further behind. Not just Nebraska, but basically everybody that I didn't name in those four teams and getting in the top two because it's going to be dominated by those those four, and particularly those two, Ohio State and Michigan. Dennis Dodd here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm Bill Ryder. Dennis Florida knows a thing or two about having a, a pedigree and not living up to expectations. And, and but it, So it's not like it, they haven't been amazing of late, but, but it's a good win for Utah, and not only a good win, their starting quarterback wasn't available, which we sort of knew was going right. to happen entering the game. Based on that fact, what is in the win? What is the ceiling for for Utah this year? Um, well, first of all, both teams didn't have their starting quarterback, and yeah. look, uh, Utah persevered with two quarterbacks. They played with Bryson Barnes as the uh, as the starter, and he he throws a seventy yard dart for a touchdown on the first offensive play of the game for them. Utah. I, think I've said, I may have said this on Twitter last night. I can't remember, but everybody's going, "Wow, who's going to be the who's going to be the the dominant team in the Big 12? And I couldn't answer that question until about a month ago when these four teams came in. And then I sat down and looked. You know what? It most likely will be Utah. Wow! Because they play a brand of football that is an, antithetical to the Big 12. They play physical. They play run based. They play defense based. And going into altitude for those teams will be hard. And, oh, by the way, they've played in four of the last five Pac-12 um, championship games, have won the last two Pac-12 championships, and played the last two Rose Bowls. Yes, I know they lost. But I think they're on the verge of becoming a national program. And I, I think they're, they're positioned right now in a place where they could dominate. Look, with you know 16 teams in the Big 12, it's going to be hard, Oklahoma State, TCU, pick whoever you want. But it became clear to me about a month ago when this got done that Utah had the best chance to be that. Dennis, if I asked you which of the following four teams are most likely to struggle with, with changes of conference between Texas, Oklahoma, USC, and UCLA, who would be – and I know that they're going to be fine in terms of finances and they're joining powerful conferences, but an on-field product – who is in the most risk of, of these moves being long-term problematic? I think right now it's Oklahoma because it's because it look, their standard is, you know, championships, obviously their season last year, first year under Brent Venables was unacceptable. That has to improve. That has to be turned around to like eight and four, nine and three this year to create momentum for the SEC. Um, and again, I've said this from the beginning uh, two years ago when the news broke that they were leaving. They're, and those league meetings, they're on the wall. They don't have a seat, and I'm talking figuratively. But they're, they're sitting there going, wait, wait, who are you guys? Wait a minute. We're Alabama. We're LSU. We're Georgia. We're Tennessee. Both those programs, Texas, Oklahoma, go into the league, take your pick. Optimistically, fourth and fifth best programs in the SEC, right? Am I right? I think I, I am. Think you're, I think you're right, too, which is incredible. Uh, maybe I'm being optimistic. I don't know. But um, Texas, obviously, now, you know, no matter what happens this year, it, it would behoove them to win the Big 12 going in. They do have the best team. We'll see how, what happens. But there's a lot of question marks about Oklahoma. USC and, and UCLA, what they are. 
Um, you know, we, we know what USC is. Nothing changes with them having to break through uh, with Lincoln Riley and, and getting the defense better. That doesn't change. USC is on an uptick. Um, if Dante Moore starts, and he's going to play the quarterback, uh, they come in on a roll. But nobody's expecting championships from UCLA. Um, it's still going to be, to me, um, it's going to be Michigan-Ohio State. That's going to be the problem for everybody in that league. But I, I think of those four right now, Oklahoma. Dennis, I'm going to ask you a question that I know is a long way down the road, but your, your, your conversation just sparked my interest in this because you're going through the SEC once, once Texas and Oklahoma join. And I'm just thinking, like, how brutal. I know it's already brutal, but how brutal that terrain is. Year to year, when we have 12 teams in, in a playoff situation for, for a championship, how many schools can the SEC the reasonably get in? at the sort of upper number. I'm glad you asked that. One of my editors did the research and it's been in our stories. I love this number. He went back and researched what, what it would have looked like the last nine years of the playoff in the, in the playoff era, what it would have looked like for big 10 and, uh, and SEC teams. That's great. And the average year in an average year, the SEC and big 10 would have averaged 7.3 teams in the 12 team field. Wow. That means, Bill, for the rest of FBS, that's 99 teams right now, the rest of FBS would have averaged total 4.7. And there were a couple of years in there where they both combined for nine. So whether they have, oh whether they do the, yeah, so whether they do the six and six model, five and seven, or 12 at large, you can see where this is headed. I mean, look, this is, this is why they supported that. It doesn't matter if it's 12 at large. They're still going to get that average seven, eight every year, I think. That's a that's a who, who can we shout out the editor? That's great. Who was it? Yeah, Adam Silverstein. He looked it up and, and put it in one of my stories. I'll I'll read. I'll put it back on Twitter. It was great. Yeah, put it on there. Hit me. I'll I'll tweet it. I'll I'll put it. That's, yeah. that's a Adam Silverstein, smart guy. Nice job, Adam. He's a yeah. he's an impressive. That is an amazing. And that that number that number tracks. So so the Pac-12 is the Pac-4, I guess, and maybe the Pac-2. I I, I understand that. No no hesitation. no. It's no. It's done. You. You missed the breaking news. ACC just took in Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Well, that's where I was going. Is that officially? Yeah. I saw the invitation. Is it done and dusted now? Accepted? It's it's done. It's done. Yeah. It's it's so, not like they're going to say no. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. I yeah. did see it. And look, I I get the geography issue. I mean, I don't even like Mizzou in the SEC, and that is basically historically wonderful compared to Stanford and Cal being on the on the other co- playing on the other coast. But yeah, you just said that you have to do it, right? This is there was no choice. Is, is that was that the math? Was that the math? Yeah, the here's, school, here's why it works. Here's what. Forget the money. And the money now is up. Uh, Ross Dellinger of Yahoo has said the money's now up to like ninety million per year that they may be able to split up. Forget the money. There's a composition clause in the ACC's contract with ESPN that says if you drop below fifteen members, we can renegotiate the contract. And if that happens, the, all of a sudden the ACC is looking at becoming the Mountain West. Just you know, just to to go off the deep end. They, with those three schools, they built up numbers. Now they're 17, 18, if you count Notre Dame. So that doesn't come into play. If somehow, and I don't see any reason now that they would lose Florida State and Clemson, but it builds that back up. There's the revenue, which is good. Uh, in some small way, keeps Clemson and Florida State happy. And then a cultural fit, which people don't want to hear about, you know, Cal Stanford or academic giants. 
Um, six of the 15 schools in the ACC or AAU schools, that's the Association of American Universities, the most prestigious rating you can get uh, as a school at the University of the United States. So that fits. So Jim Phillips, I think, has done a heck of a job here. Now, we can have another discussion about schlepping athletes 3,000 miles, but it's almost like the Big Ten has broken the seal on that outrage, right? So it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean you're right. Once you once you cross the Rubicon, it's crossed. I mean there, you know yeah. that that is that is that is what it is. Uh, Dennis Dodd, you are so good at this, dude. I could talk to you for an hour and a half, but you'd be mad at me, and so would my bosses here at CBS Sports Radio. So unfortunately, <laughs> the words I don't want to say to you, I have to say, which are thank you and goodbye. That was awesome. What a time to be alive in college football, buddy. Uh, I I root for you to someday have a day off. Uh, I don't yeah. know if it's ever coming. And thank you for thank you for your insight, bud. My my wife roots for the same thing. I, I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, dude. Be good. I hear that. Dennis Dodd, uh, Dennis Dodd CBS on Twitter. That is a Adam Silverstein. Good idea from that guy. Smart dude over at CBSSports.com. Uh, no pretty daddy today. No Tom DeCelestino. But we do have the wall, sir. It's not the nick. I don't know. We got. We're not gonna do nicknames for Kevin. It's got to be natural. Kevin Wall filling in. K Wall three twenty one on Twitter has a buy or sell for us, and we'll just see. I mean, like, I'm not saying he's gonna put Tom to shame, but I'm not saying he's not. We're gonna find out next year on CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You can just hear the weariness in Pretty Daddy's voice there. So tired. Kevin, do you think Pretty Daddy... I was talking to a buddy who thinks Pretty Daddy is an insulting nickname. I don't think it's insulting. It's just his nickname. Pretty Daddy. Never heard of that one uh, very often, but I wouldn't look at it as an insult. Yeah, it's just... It's who Tom is. Pretty Daddy. It's... it's, uh, now, I will say this. D-Cell did something shocking and commendable, and it will protect him probably from being the bum of the week in, in about 15 or 20 minutes. But before we get to that, let's do buy or sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. 
All right, Bill, let's start off in the NFC West. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup has been attempting to come back this offseason from a hamstring injury. He was making good time to come back for the preseason, but yet again, another setback this week has him back for at least hoping to be ready to go for week one of the NFL season, which begins next Sunday. The Rams had a rough season last year with injuries, and the former Super Bowl MVP was one of the players that missed the second half of the season. To be fair, Cooper Cup did start off well until he went down on November 13th. Now, the Rams, they had a lot of issues at the end, and now we see this injury delaying his comeback onto the field. Buy or sell, Bill, we're starting to see the downgrade of Cooper Cup. Man, I he was so good. I mean, obviously, he was the best receiver in football. Not down. I'm going to buy. I, I do think. Buy. I think it's a potential downturn. It, it certainly would coincide with the Rams. Got to the highest of heights, and then it all just kind of fell apart. Yeah, well, we're going to stay in Los Angeles with the Rams. As we know, last week, the wife of Rams quarterback, Matthew Stafford, Kelly Stafford, made some comments in the last week on a podcast regarding her husband's relationship with younger players. She mentioned Matt wasn't gelling with them as much as he would like. She recently apologized on an interview with Christy McDonald on Local 4s in Detroit, and this is what she had to say. That was the worst thing I've probably done when it comes to with him. Um, you know, I spoke on a topic that I think it's relatable to the fact that it's hard to relate to someone who is 10 years and younger than you. that's what was you. written actually about it. It was a very relatable thing. And, 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 it's, and I do think that's entirely true, but I'm not in an NFL locker room. I'm not spending every day with these teammates. Um, obviously, there's relationships. He spends more time with them than he does with me during the season. Mm-hmm. I put my foot in my mouth pretty good last week. Yeah, that will happen when uh, you start making some headlines in the NFL when you're not playing, you're just a wife. And we know that Patrick Mahomes' wife, Brittany, you know, she makes headlines here and there. But by herself, we know what Matthew Stafford is. He won a Super Bowl for the Rams. I think when he's healthy, he's still playing. By herself, this shouldn't be a worry for Rams fans going into the season. Should this be a worry? I mean, we were pretty hard. I mean, we were just, we talked about Kelly a little bit. I'm going to sell that it should be a worry. I don't think it's a big deal. That said, nobody cares about my work life, but I wouldn't want Lori, my wife, to go out there on a podcast and just say, man, Pretty Daddy is such a diva. My husband has a deal with all kinds of complaints. Pretty Daddy, just asking for it. You know, like, you got to, Kelly, you got to gotta keep it in the lockbox. That's an old school reference you won't get. You've got... I don't think it'll affect the Rams. I do think it's probably ill-advised to be talking about these things. And I, I get it. You're on a podcast. You, it slips out. But maybe just let your hubby talk for himself. Little thought. And it doesn't help when the Rams, you know, when news broke this offseason that the Rams were trying to get Matthew Stafford out of L.A. so they can save them save some money. Maybe they're trying to get What are you saying? They're trying to get rid of him because this guy can't relate to the kids. This guy's an old Nick. It's a whole He's, different era. But, hey, you got a Super Bowl with them. Can never take that away. We're going to stay in the NFC West. The Arizona Cardinals seem like they're in a crossroads right now regarding their current team and their future. They let the Andre Hopkins go. Kyler Murray's overcoming a knee injury, and who knows when he'll be back because we know he's going to be on the pup list. He's out for the first four games. It seems that the Cardinals, though, they are in rebuild mode, and it's likely that they could get the first pick in the NFL draft, and we know who is projected to be the number one pick in next year's draft at USC. However, new head coach Jonathan Gannon had a video that went viral yesterday 
And to me, it seemed awkward. And it showed that he had zero confidence in this team for this season. Buy or sell, it's a bad look for the Cardinals head coach. And I don't know, could he be a one and done after this year? I mean, we've seen it. He does. He certainly is not in a great spot either. I mean, with Kyler's situation. But new G- I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell. Sell. I, I think even if he's not up to the job, he's got enough excuses that they're gonna give him a, at least a couple years. And you should. You can't, unless it's like Urban mired in dysfunction. That guy should be fired the second he got hired. People should be given some time. But you got to remember Steve Wilkes in Arizona. He was a one and done. I do indeed remember. So yeah. the Cardinals do have, uh, they do have a history with one and done coaches. Remember though, different GM. That is true. That is that is definitely true. However, we're going to stay in the NFC and we're going to move to the NFC South. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are projected to look different this season. It's a winnable division. Atlanta has improved. Carolina, you never know with Frank Reich. And you got to remember, the Bucs barely won the NFC South last season with a 7-10 and record. Brady's now retired. Baker Mayfield taking over the offense, and he's been all over the place. This is his fourth team in the last 12 months. Or third team, excuse me. That now leads to question, what's next for this franchise and their top player, Mike Evans? Reports came out yesterday that no progress was made for a contract extension for the top wide receiver as he's in the final year of his contract. Buy or sell, this is Mike Evans' final season in Tampa. I mean, as it, as it relates to a guess, I'm going to buy. I, buy. I think, I think it's possible. And, and Mike Florio was on the show Monday, and he was more talking about quarterbacks, but he made the point that he thinks that the NBA heavily influences the NFL in terms of how players view the potential to use leverage and just enjoy a little bit of freedom, and that you're going to see more guys just, just want to explore the idea of going somewhere else and controlling their destinies a little bit. Baker Mayfield is the betting favorite, two to one, to be the first quarterback this year benched because of performance. It doesn't include injury. The expectations are very, very low. It's not like Tom Brady's the backup and he's going to be coming in right into the rescue. I think Evans probably has a pretty miserable season. He still has. Plenty. Yeah, I think it would make sense. Maybe I don't. Know, maybe he wants to be a Chicago Bear, Kevin. Maybe he's like, I want to be a Bear. Let's go, Chicago. Hey, they have they have a weapon right now. I'm sure they would be more than happy to add another one for your Let's franchise quarterback. <laughs> Let's move to the AFC. Yesterday, the Buffalo Bills have named their captains for the 2023 season. As you expect, Josh Allen and Von Miller are one of them. Another one is named Stephon Diggs. And yes, Diggs was a captain last season. However, there's been reported tension with Diggs and the Bills for the last few seasons, including with quarterback Josh Allen. His future was in the air, I guess we can say, in Buffalo because we saw the disappointment in the AFC Championship game, what happened last season. They were denying tension, but you can see those little jabs that Stephon Diggs would bring. Now, they put it to bed. It's a new season. But I don't know. With all this drama in the head in the head case, would you want to name Stephon Diggs? A captain for your team, and I know how great he is, but buy or sell, it was a, it was the right move to name Stefan Diggs as a captain. Buy. Here's why. Obviously, the guy is sensitive. Obviously, the guy can get in his feelings. We saw this in Minnesota when he left. He also was, his arrival transformed Josh Allen into the quarterback that people 
say that he is. And I, I need Allen to win more in the postseason. That's a different conversation. If you take away, if you strip his captain status from him, it is not going to give you the results that you want. You make sure this guy's happy however long he's there. For sure, as time is running out because you never know. Final one for you, Bill. Let's move to the NBA. We are all aware of the James Harden drama in Philadelphia. James Harden has made it clear he doesn't want anything to do with the 76ers, and he has said he's not going to work with the present basketball operations Daryl Morey ever again. However, there was a take yesterday from Rachel Nichols that raised some eyebrows yesterday that the main reason why Harden wants out of Philly is not because of the present basketball operations. It's because of Joel Embiid. According to Nichols, Harden really wants to be the number one guy on the team as he's older. He's 34 years old. He just wants to be the number one guy. Now, James Harden will never admit this, but buy or sell, deep down, he really wants out of Philly because Embiid is the leader on the team. Sell. Sell. I have no doubt Rachel heard that. She's excellent. She's outstanding. But just talking to folks in that organization, Harden wants out because he wanted his cake and to eat it, too. He opted into that 35 $36 million deal because no one else would pay him that amount of money, but he doesn't want to be in Philadelphia because he wants them to pay him a long-term deal. If Philly gave him a max deal, which they can't won't do, he would happily, happily play there. No, I, I think he wants to get paid, and I think this is about him saying, I can be the main guy, pay me main guy money. All right, let's do a little bum of the week. Got a lot of can- And by the way, if you want to nominate a candidate for bum of the week, there's a couple ways to do it. Sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. Or you can call Kevin and just tell him or get on the airwaves, 855-212-4CBS. Now, the leader in the clubhouse, the guy that I thought was going to win it for the second week in a row in the fourth time this year, could have been numero four, Tom Pretty Daddy DeCelestino. But he made a bold move yesterday. Did something unprecedented. All right, welcome back into the show. Writer than you here on... CBS Sports Radio. No pretty daddy today. Mr. Thomas DeCelestino hanging out. Why, uh, Kevin Walsh filling in. Kevin, why do you guys call it the shore out, out there? Look, I um, before you say anything, I live on the ocean here, or I live near the ocean here in, in L.A. We have an ocean, the Pacific. We don't call it the shore. It has a shore. <laughs> I lived in Miami covering the heat. There, there's a shore there. We don't call it the shore. It's, it's the ocean. I lived in Chicago for a beautiful summer working at the Chicago Tribune. I was very close. Thank you. Chicago Tribune put me up in a in a uh, discounted place that was two blocks from Lake Michigan. It was also so big that I could get out of my bed and go to the bathroom without having to take a single step. But still, it was a nice spot. There, Lake Michigan was beautiful. We didn't call it the shore, even though there's a – why do you all call it the shore? I know we know it's a shore. The shore? It's the only shore on it, earth? It just, it just sounds, you know, it, it just rolls off the tongue. Jersey Shore. Does it? it for for me, at least it does. You LA can't call Shore. It, you Miami can't, Shore. You can't call it Jersey Beach. You know, the it, it, Shore. Uh, here's my theory. And my mom is from Jersey, so she'll get mad at me. Do you know what part? Like, yeah, Demarest. Okay. You know that is? Like north, if you go to the north part of Manhattan and go across the bridge. So right across the Hudson. Right pretty across much. the way. Okay. Yeah, I think it's like across from Columbia. Okay. Well, that or rings some, a bell. Somewhere in that, somewhere in that. Here's my theory. Sorry, Mom, I love you. And I love New York City. New York City is an amazing city. But there is a worldview where New York City is the only thing that exists. There's a great New Yorker cartoon that has like New York City. It's the New York City map. It's a map that's used by New York City. It's New York City. It's huge. 
Then it's like Jersey small. Then it has sort of like America outlined, and it just and then it's like L.A. far away. And that there's nothing else that exists. They think it's the shore because they don't realize there's other shores in the world. There's other places other than New York. The shore. I don't I, know why it annoys me. It annoys I, me. I gotta tell you, if you've never been to New Jersey, you don't know what you're missing out. And I know you've been to Jersey. Yeah, I love Jersey. Yeah, but when you think think about it, you got two major cities. You know, across from you, you got New York on one side, Philly on the other, 90 minutes away. You got beautiful beaches or in the shoreline. The Garden from, State. From the Garden State, all the way from Long Branch to Cape May. You got Atlantic City not too far away. You, you Atlantic City is kind of a crapple. I mean, uh, let's come on now. I'm talking about when it comes to gambling, you know, if you want to have a night out at the casinos. But, but Vegas is, all right, here's what I'm going to say. I'm not, you're not wrong, my mom. This country is amazing, though. Like, I've lived, I lived in Arkansas. A bunch of people despaired. Arkansas is one of the most beautiful places in the country, just in terms of, like, what it looks like, the, the fishing, the hiking, the floating. Uh, it's incredible. The food's amazing. I've lived in Iowa. Awesome. I lived in Wisconsin. Well, my parents did, but I was up in, in Green Bay a lot. Amazing. Lived in Miami. Amazing. Lived in D.C. It, it, every place is, I mean, it's an amazing country. It really is. <laughs> yeah. It really is. I know what you mean about AC, but you know, for the East Coast. No, no, uh, don't get me wrong. Vegas will always be number one. Vegas Vegas will always be number one. I've never been to Vegas, but just based on the photos, yeah, uh, I'll get there one day. Don't worry. But for the East Coast people, you know, right there, Ocean City, New Jersey, not too far from Atlantic City, beautiful family vacation spot. What? What? This is the Jersey Chamber of Commerce. I'm just saying. It's a beautiful place, what the Jersey going, Shore. The Jersey is going, Shore is a beautiful no. place. I, my family, my mom's from Jersey. I like Jersey, but the shore. There's a lot of shores. It just all right. That's fine. You know what we're gonna do? I'm excited. Will it be pretty, Daddy? Man, D Cell tried to earn it this week. It is time for Bum of the Week. Hallelujah! I'm a bum. All he's doing is a whole lot of damn nothing. I'm a bum. You rotten bum! I'm a bum. There's a bunch of bums. I'm a bum. I'm a bum. Who's the bum this week? Let's find out on Writer Than You on CBS Sports Radio. Now, a big part of the reason that Pretty Daddy was bum of the week last week, I can't remember what earned him the nomination, but in his attempt to defend himself, he nominated my wife for bum of the week, which over the line, you don't do that. But you are allowed to nominate your own wife. And one of our listeners, this is a bold move. I know you're not you're not married, Kevin, but if you ever get married, you, I, I'm not sure that I would necessarily recommend this. But one of our listeners recommended his wife, Gina, for Bum of the Week. Gina, it's not me. Apparently you listen, and I appreciate you. And I, But you're, you're, your hubby is tired of you saying nice things about Aaron Rodgers. Just because <laughs> he's on hard knocks. So, uh, all right, Bum of the Week, nominee Gina. Um, I'm going to go with Jim Irsay absolutely nominated. This Jonathan Taylor fiasco has obviously played itself into the worst possible place, and we talked about Chris Ballard this week. Really frustrated with what's going on. Ursay is at the root of all of these issues. I'm going to nominate two organizations slash programs. Nebraska football, you're nominated. I'm sorry. You are. It's the way that it is. You lost that game. You blew it. I'm going to nominate the Angels. Now, before we get some other nominations from you all, and Kevin, if he has any, let me just address, address Pretty Daddy. Tom DeCelestino admitted there's a lot of reasons many of you nominated him this week. 
Yesterday, he admitted he doesn't like breakfast food. He won't eat eggs. He won't eat pancakes. He won't eat syrup. It's outrageous. But I did suggest yesterday that he change his Twitter handle to Pretty Daddy. And he refused. He had a DCSD cell CVS. I got a screen grab from last night. Tom DeCelestino on Twitter, I can't believe he did it, is now officially Pretty Daddy CBS. That is a baller move. That is commitment to the show. It's the first time ever, ever, Tom has done something I've asked him to do on this program, which is ironic given the fact that he is the producer of the show. But here we are. Tom, you are, you are, you're free and clear, baby. You avoid your breakfast food. You are not bum of the week. Uh, is there anybody, Kevin Wall, filling in for Pretty Daddy, who you would like to nominate for, for bum of the week? Uh, yes, there is one that comes off immediately on the top of my mind, and that is Brian Cashman, the New York Yankees general manager. Good one. Good one. It was a bad trade deadline for the New York Yankees, and he, he said we're in it to win it. We have a roster that will uh, that's able to win. And despite the struggles with Josh Donaldson, you're eating $32 million. He's now gone. And then you put Harrison Bayer on waivers. And now, and you gave up, you gave up a lot for him last season. And he had a good postseason last October. And now you find him on waivers. He gets picked up by the Reds. And there's just more question marks with the New York Yankees oh, front Brian office. Cashman should have been fired years he should ago, have been though. fired. I think way, 2021 would have been that I, good. I will also nominate Steinbrenner for giving the guy an extension, a four-year extension last December. So it's funny you say this. i got to figure out if I can if I can make him bum of the week because I not, he was nominated Cashman last week when the deadline came and went for just the abysmal reality. No, no, I'm sorry. When they – I can't even keep track. Had they lost another series of the Red Sox? And yeah. Diesel, it was going to be Cashman. And then Diesel nominated my wife, and he, and he, and he bumped <laughs> Cashman – that's a really good nomination. He deserves it. And the unfortunate thing, bum, dude. nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. I mean, we discussed this a lot last week, but but there's also a model for what it looks like where you take a modern-day GM who understands the game, and yes, even if it annoys those of you out there that don't like it, understand sabermetrics and, and data analysis combined with scouting, and, and you take that approach, right, the Tampa Bay approach, the – Billy Bean is not really working, but they're, they're losing on purpose because they're going to Vegas approach. You take that sort of new school mentality, you combine it with massive resources, money, and brand. It's called Andrew Friedman, who's with the freaking Dodgers. His former GM, Farhan Zaidi, is now the GM, the guy, he's actually, I think, a higher title. I think he's president of baseball ops, whatever it is, of the Giants. There are, there are if the Yankees had hired Farhan Zaidi three years ago, they would currently be, A, in competition in that division, and B, more importantly, loading up their farm system and having the ability to supplement guys and to go out and Shohei wasn't available. But had Shohei been made available, the Yankees would have been in a position to actually go and get him the way that the Dodgers certainly are when they want to when they want to land guys. Cashman's a, you know what? Yeah, for being terrible at your job, for having what? What are you, a Supreme Court justice? Taking free trips with a lifetime, apparently, 20, Frank, 24 years. Apparently, Cashman has a lifetime, a lifetime appointment to this job for ruining Kevin Wall and every other Yankees fan's reality, for not going away, and for sucking in general. Brian Cashman, you're the bum of the week, bro. That's your bum of the week. I detest you! On Lighter Than You.
And by the way, I think it's so annoying that we talk about the Yankees on this on this network on a regular basis. Nobody nobody cares as much as we talk about them. They don't. We're not on in New York. We're not WFAN. It's not a big deal to mo- just the same reason I don't talk Dodgers or Cubs very often on the show. But oh my God, everyone can relate to the boss or the guy in charge of their team that is just the worst and runs you into the ground. And you just. Brian Cashman, you just saved the GM of the Angels, and just the and the Angels also. They just they just put some of the guys, including one of the main guys that they went and got, they gave their main prospects for to to keep Shohei. They just put them on waivers. They just got rid of them. What a bunch of de- oh. all right. What do you, Kevin? What are you watching this weekend? I'm going to watch a lot of soccer and then a lot of college football. That's on my and I'm going to Messi. What's on the sports or otherwise viewing list for you this? Uh, this fine weekend. Well, when you, when you live in the great state of New Jersey and <laughs> yeah, the, Jersey again, and the hero yeah. or the one of the heroes of New Jersey, Bruce Springsteen, is playing at MetLife Stadium tonight after work. Me, the fam, and the boss, Bruce Springsteen. You're the boss. Yes. So I saw I saw the boss. I think a couple times, only a couple times, live in Kansas City at Sprint Center back in. I mean, you've seen him, right? Yeah, this I'm will amazed. be my second time. And then I'm seeing him again next week in Syracuse. Oh, man, is he on tour? Yeah, he's been on tour. Uh, he's now doing the the summer stadium tours. So he did like Foxborough, Soldier. Uh, he did Wrigley Field. So wow. he's all over the place now. I'm so bad at I live in L.A. where everyone comes all the time, and I'm just terrible. So what, like right now I'm, I'm listening to a lot of Nathaniel Ratliff. Do you know Nathaniel Ratliff? Amazing, like Southern Rock. I like Alabama Shakes. I like Jay Roddy, Walston. Who else am I like? And they all come here. And some of them are obscure. And I never, I never go to live music. What was your first concert? <laughs> the other Jersey guy, Bon Jovi. I was five years old. Oh, my God. That's a good Mine was, I think, I think mine was Ario Speedwagon at Thunderfest in Dubuque, Iowa. I saw Ario Speedwagon last summer for the first time. Very impressed. Very Dude, impressed. Great. Uh, my daughter's. How about this for a for a first? My da- Madeline, who's now fourteen, her first was last summer. Alicia Keys in Barcelona, Spain. Oh yeah, well, it's a baller. Number one, Spain. Yeah, <laughs> Number two, Alicia Keys, big name. I'm sure she puts on one great I concert. I didn't go, but Lori and Madeline sent me the videos. It looked amazing. If I could go back in time, though, and I don't, you can judge me all you want. Best concert I've ever been to. Favorite. I mean, I think favorite musician of all time. Bob Seger, baby, and the Silver Bullet Band. Old school. Uh, I would. I wish Bob Seger were my first. He's not. I, I think I was 39 when that, when that, when that, when that finally happened. You're going to the boss tonight. Yeah, so Bruce and the E Street Band. And fun fact, you know, he, he used to work out in my gym. So the summer of 2017, I was seeing Springsteen like three, four days a week. Did you say hi to him? Of course. I got a, I got a nice selfie with him on top of that. Did you like drop a bunch of like, puns? Like, hey man, nice. I don't want to say, but just like, you, there was one. Quiet? No, I let him be. You should but... ask him. You should be like, hey, you're gonna wear a brilliant disguise. <laughs> you know, one of those. There man. was one time I had to kick him off a machine. I'm like, yo, Bruce, I got two more sets. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> really? Yeah. Nice guy. Super nice guy. You can't kick the boss off a machine. I did though. <laughs> wow, you should be bum of the week. By the way, also uh, I saw River Soto. You nominated. Kelly Stafford. I just missed it. I'm sorry. She wouldn't have won, though. But she dodged a bullet because she would have been nominated. That is a show. Weekend is coming up. Three-day weekend. Have a great one. I'll be back along with Pretty Daddy on Tuesday, but we've got you covered obviously over the weekend and on Monday. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. I'm Bill Ryder. The show's Ryder Than You. 
Enjoy your long weekend. This is CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.